when I was uh, in school here at the university, as a college student, I was a part of a group, and this group got together every week. Uh, it was like clockwork. We'd be together every week, a whole group of us. This group kind of grew as we kept meeting together, and it was the best. We had a great time together. We were always having fun. Uh, we took care of each other. It was like every week we'd come together, we'd kind of catch up on life, how it was going, what, what was happening. We'd even meet needs of each other as people had needs, like, hey, I'll help you out. Like, you ride this week? Well, I'll get you a ride. And, and this group of people became like this tight-knit community for me for this season, and it was awesome. It, 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 and not only that, but we, we actually had a purpose that, for a reason that we were actually all meeting together. I'm not revealing what this group is yet. I want you to kind of think about what this group might be. But when we came together, uh, I found that week by week, I would look forward to just like being back together with that group every week. It, it became that kind of uh, group of people to me. So I'm revealing a lot here to tell you what, what group that was. But um, maybe you're, you're sitting there thinking, okay, it could be like a church small group or something. It was not that. It could be a cult. Nope, it wasn't, wasn't a cult. Um, it, could, it was, uh, it was a, a poker group um, of guys, and uh, we had a great time. And uh, it was not a church at all. But in that group, I found uh, people that really supported and helped and were true friends to me. Uh, this is so bizarre that I'm comparing this to the church, but uh, here you go. There's... there's in, in Acts chapter 2, we find a church that cares for one another in a way that is very countercultural to, I think, anything we would normally see. The way that people were meeting needs and the way that people were taking care of each other. And there's this persuasiveness about this community of people that you can't miss. And that's what we're going to talk about because, so we're a brand new church, uh, Five Points Church, brand new church, and in Acts chapter 1 and 2, is when we find the church when it was brand new. So we're looking at those chapters to kind of see what is the church all about? What should be, like, what should the church be? And what should it look like? Now, I don't do this every week. Uh, the first couple of weeks, if you were here, you know, I didn't give you a piece of paper like you had homework to do. But I'm, I'm, we're going to be interactive today just a bit. And that was part of me trying to get people to talk to each other. And if you take that sheet of paper, the white one, that's in front of you, and a pen, feel free, I'm going to give you a few minutes to read through that passage, underline, circle, put arrows, question marks, read through that passage, and, and feel free if you want to like turn to the person next to you, ask them a question, Here's, or talk back and forth about it, I love that, here's the question I want you to think about. What stands out to you? Really simple. What stands out to you? And, and you could even write that under notes from the passage. You could write that under there. What stands out to you? As you read that passage, for you, what do you see? What is it that, like, pops off the page to you? So I'm going to give you a few minutes to read, underline, circle, write something down, and, uh, and, then, and then we'll go from there, Okay. I'm a preacher and I try to teach these passages. So it's like, I want to right away come out with some big picture. Like, how do I just sum it up? And the best way I can do that, when you talk about what is a church supposed to be, 
in this passage, like as we talked about seeing this new church start, we said, let's call ourselves a church that wants to be an Acts 2 church. Like that's how important this passage became to us as we talked about seeing this new church started. We said, let's be an Acts 2 church. In fact, we said in our mission statement, we want to say we want to be an Acts 2 church that loves our community and goes to the ends of the world with the gospel. We want to be a church that looks like this because if I could just sum it up in any way, I would say that there was a persuasive togetherness, a persuasive togetherness. Now, we'll look at a bunch of different parts of this, all those parts that you guys pulled out. We'll look at those things, but that's how I would sum it up. I would say a persuasive togetherness. When people looked at this group and they saw this church, they said, wow, that's, that's different. So there's a persuasiveness to it, but there was truly and sincerely a togetherness about it. And, and not just that, but they, they had purpose uh, and they had power in what they were doing. So there's, there's three elements uh, that we'll talk about today. We'll look at the persuasiveness of this community. We'll look at the purpose of this community. And then, and then we will look at the product of this community. Uh, next week, I'll leave the power of this community. We'll get to that. So we're going to look at the, persuasive, uh, the, the persuasiveness, the purpose, and the product today. So when we talk about the persuasiveness of the community, what I mean by that, this, this group of people who came together around the risen Jesus there was this combination of awe and intimacy. It says that awe came on every soul. They're experiencing something that's just bigger than themselves. They're seeing signs and wonders. They're seeing God at work. And that in itself is the most persuasive thing. Like if, if I, I ask people this from time to time, I say, you know, like if you could meet God or you could see God, would you want to? And they're like, yeah, of course. Like, so when we get glimpses of God, like seeing him do something that only he can do. And, and that's what you're seeing in this group, ultimately, because just in this group being together and what they're a part of in itself is a work of God. They otherwise would never be together. In verse uh, 44, it says they were together. In verse 46, it says they were together. That's, that was the point that we first brought up, that there's this togetherness happening there. Uh, that's especially clear, even in verse 47, when it says their number, uh, that there was people added, that that, that was a, a tight-knitted idea there of a group of people. Uh, in the original language in the Greek, in verse 46, that word, um, it means, this, this was so good, I read this this week in my uh, Greek concordance, and, and uh, when you see this togetherness that they have in that, that word together in verse 46, it means an image that's almost musical. It's a number of notes which are sounded, and while they are different, they harmonize in pitch and tone as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master. So the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of the members of Christ's church. So as we talk about the unity that we see here, there's a togetherness here. Uh, we must remember that the people in this early church are coming from all kinds of cultures, all kinds of backgrounds. There's great diversity within this group that is so unified. In verse 5 of Acts chapter 2, this crowd that was together who received the gospel message, they were made up of people that it says from every nation under heaven. 
Now, the early writer, Luke, who wrote the, the, uh, this book of Acts, for him, it was people from all the known world. It wasn't literally every nation, but for him it was. It was groups of people from all around the Mediterranean into Africa. It was this whole uh, scattering of people that had come to one place. So many different cultures. And when you think about cultures, like that was, okay, let's, let's, let's do that for a second. If, if you uh, want to be a multicultural church, if you want to be part of places and things that are multicultural, what does that mean? Well, that means that you have to be a part of where people have differences in their tastes for food, for example. That one's easy for me. I can, I can eat like anywhere I go and anything with any, any person, um, mostly. Um, customs. Think about different customs that different cultures bring together. Uh, I was once off a remote island off the coast of South America. And unfortunately, while we were there, uh, a prominent member of the community passed away. And we wanted, while we were there, to be a part of the funeral. But what we didn't understand, that their custom for funerals was to have a 24-hour mourning period where you did not sleep for 24 hours and you cried a lot, like out loud, wailed. And that was a part of their community. That was a part of their customs to have that kind of funeral together. So you think about when you bring people together, people are coming in with different customs that could be like that. Um, in, in different cultures, you have different conceptions of time. Sometimes you hear that like they're on such and such time. Like, you know, they want to be really early or really late. In America, we have our own conception of time. Uh, we have different ways of thinking. We have different senses of humor. We have different ways we... Uh, do conflict resolution. We have the, I have that in my house. I, I mean, much less across cultures. Communication styles, even our sense of humor can be different. So all that to say, when you bring a group of different cultures together and you are seeing a great unity there among them, that's a, that's a big deal. It's hard to bring cultures together that get along, much less actually become so cohesive that the individuals disappear and what you see is this group at large. You could talk about here this, and this persuasive togetherness of this community. You could talk about the way in which they view their possessions. I love that. The way in which people are so willing to give up what they have to meet needs of others. I wish I was like that. I wish I could just be like, okay, um, my watch, I'll sell it. I'll meet someone's need. I, I want to be like that. If you come to me and say, I really need something, I, I, I'll consider selling my watch. I have my favorite shoes on today. If I were to, um, if somebody had a need and I needed to sell my shoes, that would be hard. But I would want to do that. I want to be a church. We want to see Five Points Church have this kind of persuasiveness of togetherness where uh, we have awe and intimacy. We have togetherness. We have unity and diversity, but we also meet needs of people, and we are willing to do anything and everything, a selfless generosity. Let's do that here. In fact, I'll start with today. Like, if someone here, and I mean this with all my heart, if someone here today said, I have a need, like, we wouldn't want to leave today without saying, okay, let's talk about, like, can we meet that need? We want to be that kind of people. You could talk about the joy they're experiencing. In verse 46, it says they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Someone brought that up. This describes a joyful spirit that's ultimately derived from a strong spirit of humility. That word generous could be better put, honestly, as you, I would insert the word humble when I look at that original 
Greek, it conveys the idea of like just the simplicity where everything in our life, we have priorities and, and they line up with ease. We aren't so taken up by materialism. I mean, that's what we're fighting against in our culture, in my opinion. This materialism where uh, we are so attached to our things and our priorities end up flipping up. Instead of taking care of people, we're taking care of ourselves and what we need and what we want. So we put God and we put others ahead of ourselves in humility. That's what's happening here with the glad and generous, simple, humble hearts. But there's much joy in that. Verse 46 we see, again, in this persuasiveness of this community, we see that uh, day by day they're meeting. This is the kind of church that cares about each other past just like, okay, again, in, in our tradition, uh, churches are pretty prevalent here in the South and in our city, and you have churches. We could meet, and you could be here. You could show up here, and that'd be great, but we'd be missing what they had here where um, day by day there's, there's opportunities to be had with people from this community meeting each other's needs, taking care of each other, praying for each other, and loving each other. And finally, you see how they had favor with all the people in verse 47. People looking in are saying, okay, this, this is different. This group of people, I see that something is happening that is that honestly, I'd like to be a part of. That, that I, maybe I don't agree with everything that they're doing, but I, I see it with favor. I think all of this is the work of God in their life. And it's, again, something that we're looking at. When you look at those traits of this church, you see a persuasiveness that I hope Five Points Church will be. In Ephesians 2.19, it says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The way that Paul puts it there in Ephesians is you are a household of God. You're a family of God. We're not like a family. We are a family. The church is supposed to be a group of people that cares about each other in such a way that, that we, we wrap our, our arms around people when they're in need. And I've seen this happen, and I want to be part of that. I want to, I want to see this happen here. We're, we're, when people are in need, we take care of them. When people need prayer, when, when they're hurting, when they're struggling, and everybody has walked in here with something in their hearts. I know it. And we need to, to be here to take care of each other. That's what we want to be. You'll see uh, different uh, phrases here on this backdrop. These are values that we've put out, that, that we want to be about these things. One of those is hospitality. This is probably a... Our, our term, the best term we could come up with that like would describe some of this persuasiveness happening. Hospitality is our fabric, meaning we, we want to take care of people. We want to welcome people. We want to always be there for people. We, we want to truly be hospitable and loving for all people. So hospitality is our fabric. That's one of our values. I'll, I'll come back to a few of these. Now, the last thing I want to bring up about this first point is in this persuasiveness, you have to know that they're not being compelled to be a part of the church because someone is saying, hey, you have to do this. There's a command by God to come to church every week, to be the church. That's not happening. This compulsion is, is easy when the church is being the church. Like when the church is being what God has created it to be, it's not that I have to be a part of church or go to church. It's like, I get to. I get to be a part of this. Second, let's talk about the purpose of this community. That word, devotion, someone brought that out. 
that they were devoted. Let me get back to that passage. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That word devotion really kicks off this whole paragraph. It's the key for the, you know, as we see like at the top layer, all this togetherness and unity taking place within this church. The drive behind it is this devotion to each other and ultimately to God. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to, and to prayer. So this is the purpose of the community. It's, uh, devotion means to adhere or to be adherent or to be devoted or to be constant, to be steadfastly attentive. The persuasiveness of this community has so much to do with the way that they were devoted to one another. But there's no devotion to one another if it weren't for the even greater overarching purpose of being devoted to God. That's what we're going to see here. In verse 5 of Acts 2, I mentioned this earlier, that you have this whole group of people uh, there from all different cultures, and and you're seeing this incredible demonstration of the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 6, and now this sound, this multitude, they came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and they were astonished. And they said, are not all these who were speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our native language? So when, they, when uh, Peter stood up to preach and others were preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 2, there's all these cultures from all these countries coming together. They all speak different languages, but God works this miracle where they can all hear. This is, I mean, like, that, that sounds fun, right? To walk in and see this happening and, like, like people are, are speaking and they're like, uh, you, you know, I didn't know Portuguese before, but all of a sudden I'm able to speak to my Portuguese friend. I, I didn't know Spanish before, but all of a sudden I'm able to speak Spanish to my Spanish friend and, and share the gospel with them. That's what's happening. And that sounds like an amazing thing to be a part of. And, and it seems like maybe if the church got a glimpse of that, that they could like get to where that's really what they cared about and wanted to be about. Like they would, Let's just keep seeing that happen is what I'm saying. I can imagine that, that that might go through their minds. So it's so interesting when it says what they were devoted to, that ultimately the first thing on the list is that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Well, what does that mean? Well, the apostles were the original 12 around Jesus. So Jesus taught his ways to his disciples, especially those inner 12. And those inner 12 disciples uh, became the apostles of the church, minus Judas, and then they added Matthias. And, and then ultimately, uh, Paul would also be added as an apostle. The apostles' teaching became the center for Scripture, and eventually uh, their teachings are what we have as shaping the New Testament scriptures that we have. So all that to say their devotion was not to like, let's just keep experiencing these miraculous acts, but their devotion was to the teaching of God's word. In John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about how he will send his helper, the Holy Spirit. When he sends the Holy Spirit, he says, this is not just any kind of spirit. This is God's spirit, and he's a spirit of truth. That's really important because uh, the whole experience of Acts chapter 2 is the work of the Holy Spirit. God's doing this miraculous 
work of them speaking in all kinds of languages, the gospel being proclaimed all through the work of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So we must understand that truth should never be set aside for emotion or experience. The word of God is is central for us. It was central for the early church. We, We say that scripture is our foundation, and that's what we mean by that, that we're committed to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God. Psalm 1, for the longest time, has been my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says that this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And they meditate on his law day and night. That person will be like a tree who's planted by streams of water. They yield their fruit in its season, and their leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. This is a picture of someone truly thriving, and it comes from their attention to God's word, God's ways. That's what we mean by scripture is our foundation. It, it's, it's what we go to. We study it. We look at it. When you hear the teaching, we're going to look right here at the text, and we're going to talk about it. There's no other book in the world like this. It's completely unique in its depth and truth. In fact, what the scripture says about itself is it's alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it cuts to the deepest parts of the soul. Then if you continue in verse 42, it says they, they, they're devoted to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, but then you also see that they were devoted to prayer. You see that in our value statements, that prayer is our first move. I don't know about you, but um, if, if you've grown up with uh, some knowledge of God and understanding of God and, and have been a Christian at some point or still are, prayer can become something that just like goes on the back burner, unfortunately. It can be uh, for us, and this is what it was in my life for a while, it became something that like when I couldn't figure anything else out, then I would say, okay, <laughs> all right, God, I, I need your help now. And I would pray about it. And prayer is just, it's so simple, it's so easy, it's so accessible, that it's simply, I know it sounds crazy, but you, you speak words intended towards God, and he hears them. And in this praying, it should never be something we do as a last resort, but truly, we want it to be our first move. We want it to say, like, no, let's, let's pray now. Are you going through something hard? I would rather it be, like, not, I'll pray for you later, but, like, stop right there and pray. I would love to see people praying with each other in the moment, as you go, anytime. Prayer is our first move. And, and that's what you see in the early church. This was so much a part of their purpose they, that they were devoted to the word. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. They were eating together. That was maybe some of the earliest uh, forms of communion. We will do that as a church. We'll take communion together on a regular basis. We, they were committed to fellowship. Again, that was the persuasiveness of this community. I think of that of them coming together like that, but then they were, they were devoted to prayer. This is the purposes of the church. There's so much more I could say, but as an Acts 2 church, we are committed to the word and prayer, and because ultimately this is how we are devoted to God. 
Number three, you see the product of this community. The first result of their devotion to God was that awe came upon every soul. God is doing a work here that only he can do. And when you get a glimpse of that, it's persuasive. It's, it's honestly addicting. You get a taste of it, and it's like, that's all you want. I've seen it before, and I want to see it again. I've seen those moments where, like, God just comes and he meets with people. I, I think of my friend in high school who met God, and got, it just it, it was unbelievable. Somebody who never experienced God before, and, and he heard about him and just was completely broken and completely changed. I love seeing that. I've seen that in college. I, I had a friend of mine, and, th- and that happened in his life. And, and in my adult life, it's happened over and over again. And that's why I love getting to be a pastor, because I love getting to see people meet God and know God. And so when, they're, when you're devoted to God, you're, you're going to see him work. We're, if, if we're a church like this Acts 2 church, I think there'll be moments where awe will come upon every soul. Uh, when there's a work of God, though, what you see in this group is there's brokenness, there's humility, there's togetherness. And then it's summed up in verse 47. This is the most significant product for this type of community. It says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So there's two things happening. People are being saved and they're being added to the church. It's not like people are being saved and they're, they're like, you know, nowhere to be found with the church. They're being saved and then they're attaching to the church. People, when, when, when the idea of this, of people being saved, what does that mean? That means that we were dead in our sins, the Bible says, that we could not come to God on our own terms. And God made, his, made a way through Jesus. But God demonstrated his love toward us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And so to be saved is to be taken out of our sins and brought into the family of God. As we're brought into the family of God, he connects us with a local body like this. So why did this happen? That was the question I kept going back to. Why did this happen? Why, why were people being saved like this? Was this just a part of the Acts 2 early church? Like this is something they experienced that maybe like some people experience or sometimes in history will, or, or can we experience that? Can we experience the Lord adding to their number daily? And I think we can. And here's why I think they experienced this. My belief is that because this church became a living, breathing picture of the gospel, this gospel message that I was just talking about, that, that Jesus set aside all of his privilege as the king of heaven to make himself nothing, to become a servant, to become obedient to death, even death on a cross, And that is why Paul says in Philippians 2, have the same mind as Christ. Be like-minded, have the same love, be of one spirit, of one mind. He's talking about unity in the church. How do you get unity in the church? In Philippians 2, he says, be of one mind, have the same mind as Christ. And so on the back of your sheet, I have Philippians 2 written out because when you think about this, look at this passage. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, okay? So if you've come into the family of God and you're united with Christ, and you're his, if you have any comfort from his love, if you've experienced his love, if you have any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Doesn't that sound like Acts 2? 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's what they were doing. They were meeting the needs of other people. They were saying, I'll sell my stuff and I will meet your need. Do, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. All right, so let's keep reading. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That passage describes what Jesus did for us. That's the gospel message. That's the good news of Jesus. And and in that passage, what we see is that the Acts 2 church was a living, breathing example and reflection of what that passage of the gospel. How was the Lord adding to their number daily? Because they were living out the gospel. And they were living it out not just by saying, hey, I want to tell you the story of Jesus. It was in the way in which they loved you, loved each other. It was in the way that they cared for each other. It was the way in which they prayed. It was the way in which they read the word. All of those things became a living, breathing example of the gospel. We, uh, I'll, I'll hit this, disciple making, that's people being added. Expectancy is our frame of mind. When we think about verse 47, that's what we're thinking about. We're thinking about, Lord, would you add people to your family? We want to see your kingdom advance. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I want you guys to pray with me. And um, we'll pray and then we'll, we'll sing another song together. And I would like for you to reflect now. Uh, maybe some of you are like, okay, I consider myself a part of this church or I desire to be a part of this church. I hope that in hearing this, you will have an idea of what the church should look like and what we should be about. I'd like for us just to pray for a minute here with me and, and ask the Lord, Lord, will you do that in us? Will you let us be that kind of church? And that's, this is your cue. You can pray this in your own heart. If, you, if that's you, like, if you're like, okay, I, I'd like to do that. I'd like to see that happen. Maybe uh, there's some of you who are hearing the gospel. You're hearing this good news about Jesus. This is all new news to you. And you can turn your heart to him. You can call out to him for salvation. He will save you. Go to him for the forgiveness of your sins and he will save you. Lord, we we give our, our gifts of worship to you. We give our offerings of praise to you. And Lord, uh, we just want you to work here. We want to be expectant that you're going to do much here with this church. You're going to allow us to minister to one another. And and in doing so, God, you be working in us and through us. 
We love you and pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.